Uh, we are learning uh, that President Biden will speak tomorrow. He just issued a statement on Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on Ukraine. I'm going to read it in part. It says, quote, the prayers of the entire world are with the people of Ukraine tonight uh, as they suffer an unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces. President Putin has chosen a premeditated war that will bring a catastrophic loss of life and human suffering. Russia alone is responsible for the death and destruction this attack will bring and the United States and its allies and partners will respond in a united and decisive way. The world will hold Russia accountable. Of course, this UN Security Council meeting still ongoing uh, at this point in time. I want to bring in uh, one of our national security experts, friend of the program, Hal Kemper, to respond to all uh, of this latest news that seemingly is uh, just breaking each and every minute here. Hal, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Andrew, for having me on. It's a, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. It's a very fluid situation. Uh, right now, I want to put up a tweet uh, from Fox News correspondent uh, Jennifer Griffin, and she says, quote, a U.S. official tells me right now we're seeing the pre-assault fires. Expect this to go on for a few hours. Land attack to follow with all of the full forces Putin has arrayed, arrayed rather, explosions heard in Kyiv. Odessa, Mariupol, it has begun. We're also getting reports from Fox News correspondent Trey Yinkst, who is in Kyiv. He said explosions in Kyiv. Of course, right now it's about 5.30 in the morning there. We have a live now look in Maidan Square. Uh, Hal, your reactions, we've been talking about this now for seemingly almost a month. It is here. It, it is here, and what we're seeing are whether you call them pre-assault fires, and that's perfectly acceptable military language, or preparatory fires prior to uh, going in, we're seeing attacks, uh, uh, fires all over. Now, the interesting thing is Odessa, that kind of indicates to me possible naval fires. Could be missile fires, could potentially involve uh, naval gunfire, but that's what that kind of indicates, and that's interesting. Uh, that is showing that they're going in deep, they're hitting targets all over the country. Obviously, Kiev, uh, which is the capital city. Those are, uh, and, and keep in mind, we only have so much information. Those are probably missile fires. They may be followed up with airstrikes. Part of what that does, though, even if you don't have ground forces going all the way down to Kiev, for example, what that does is it fixes Ukrainian forces around the country in place you're not gonna shift your forces to the east if you're afraid that they're coming from the south and the north as well. And that's what it appears is happening. You know, certainly from a military planning standpoint, that would be a logical thing to do, to use those fires. They have, those, they have the capability. So to use those fires, also tremendous psychological impact on the citizenry and the political leaders and also the military leaders as well in those areas. When they get hit with fires, it, it slows down their ability to react. It slows down, you know, it slows down the ability to evacuate people because they don't know if they want to get on the road because they could become targets of fire. So there's a lot of reasons why they would do this. Hal, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts as well. We had a very moving, stirring and poignant speech today. Uh, by the Ukrainian president Zelensky. Uh, some of it, uh, a majority of it was in Russian. This was a speech 
not only to Ukrainians, uh, but to Russians as well across the border, uh, urging for peace. We also got the news today that Zelensky essentially called the Kremlin requesting to speak with Putin. It went unanswered. It was denied. We're also learning uh, about an hour ago that there uh, is a flight restriction in all of Ukraine for civilian aircraft. Uh, and we have been tracking some of the, the flight tracking websites and, and there are no planes over the country of Ukraine. It was entirely clear uh, of air traffic. Is that normal? And of course, does that spark fears uh, as well that any wrong move could down a passenger airliner like we saw back in 2014? Well, Andrew, part of it is psychological, obviously. It, it impacts a lot of different ways. The uh, snub of the phone call is, is to be expected. There's really nothing more for them to talk about. Obviously, Putin has made up his mind. The, uh, the confusion with the head of the uh, Russian security service and with the U.S. ambassador, uh, or, or with the uh, Russian ambassador to the U.S. this weekend, indicated to me that Putin is keeping very close counsel uh, that some of his key members of his cabinet and those around him may not even know what he's thinking at any given time, which is also an indication of a lot of strong operational security on his end to avoid any leaks. And, and there has been a lot of information coming out. It's tough to say if some of that's not deliberate by Russia, but, uh, but that's part of what we're seeing there. Now, shutting down the airspace, that's just prudent. Uh, that's anytime you have a large military air operation, the Ukrainian Air Force wants freedom of operations, and obviously the the Russian Air Force wants freedom of operation. So, even if it wasn't announced de facto, you'd want to shut it down. I think both sides, after seeing what happened with the airliner being shot down, would go to extremes to make sure that there were no civilian airliners or any civilian aircraft, because frankly, whatever's flying right now is a target by one side or the other. So they're freeing up that. Same thing with the notice to mariners in the Black Sea and certainly the Sea of Azov, where they're trying to make sure there's no mariners out there. You're going to see a lot of maritime action. I am fully expecting to see an amphibious assault. If it doesn't happen in the next few hours, it could happen the next day. But I'm fully expecting to see that simply because they have the capability. The Marines are embarked on ship, from what I understand. So I would expect that they would do something, if nothing more than to throw uncertainty into the planning process of the Ukrainians and also achieve a certain element of surprise to throw them off balance and to fix their forces in place. At some point, you know, the Ukrainians will figure out where the main thrust, where the main effort is of the, uh, of the Russian forces. Are they going for the entire country? Are they going for certain parts of the Eastern Ukraine? Uh, could a lot of this be hit everywhere, make it look like they're coming everywhere, and in the end, they simply seize that southeastern quadrant of Ukraine. We don't know, that's a very likely scenario. I would say it's a probable scenario, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't launch missiles on all these other cities as well, just to cause, just to sow confusion, and of course, to uh, basically immobilize uh, the movement of uh, Russian forces from one theater of action to another. Hell yeah, and back to your point uh, about uh, amphibious assaults, we are seeing some reports as well uh, of uh, 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 explosions in the port city of Mariupol. We're also uh, getting 
more and more of this translation from the Russian president, Putin, who was literally speaking, I think he's still speaking, Hal, uh, while we are speaking. And I want to read uh, a quote that was just translated. He says, a couple of words for those who would be tempted to intervene. Russia will respond immediately and you will have consequences that you never have had before in your history. That is threatening language to maybe the United States, European allies, anyone who wants to get in the way of Vladimir Putin. Well, they, they're, they're trying to, they're engaging in psychological operations and disinformation against the West. They're trying to stop us from doing something more concerted. The big fear that Russia has in this is not that they're gonna get stopped cold at the border. Uh, if the Ukrainian forces are prepared, and I believe they are prepared, their strategy will be to basically trade terrain for kinetic kills. They're going to gradually pull back their forces. They're going to move from battle position to battle position to battle position. And they're going to use the terrain to their advantage, try to inflict as much battle damage, as many casualties as possible on the Russians' part. One of the vulnerabilities, the biggest vulnerability the Russians have is they've got somewhere between two-thirds to 75% of their operational ground combat units already committed. There really isn't some big strategic reserve that they can pull in. Now, if they attack everywhere, and, and maybe they're using the fires, and at the same time they're doing a shift to come into another area, that's very possible. We did that during Desert Storm did the famous hook movement where we actually had everybody fixed in place and then we maneuvered around and came into Kuwait. Well, that could be something they're thinking about as well. But but with that said, um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of different possibilities going on in, in terms of the whole thinking. And uh, we're gonna find out over time. Yeah. Hal, uh, earlier today during the Pentagon press briefing, 80% uh, of forces have moved into ready positions. That was earlier today. Uh, the bulk uh, of that 80% uh, are obviously on the ground. Uh, they also say we have believed Putin has assembled 100% of his aviation assets, 100% of his maritime assets, and near 100% of his ground. Uh, very close to 100%. Uh, Hal, stay with us right now. The uh, Russian ambassador to the United Nations uh, is speaking yet again, and I believe we're about to hear from the Ukrainian ambassador to the